right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hey. I am officially back. You're back. I uh, had a couple of nice days off. And Who's back of the week? Have you ever seen the uh, the movie, or I don't, it's not a movie, it's a play, but they, they turned it into a movie, Hamilton? Uh, yeah, Hamilton. You, you know yeah. the scene where, I forget the guy who's playing like Thomas Jefferson, he, he's become like a really popular actor. Um, he's like, what did I miss? It's the, it's the song. He's like, what did I miss? I That's how I felt. You, you missed felt. a lot. I yeah, missed, a, missed lot. a lot. Flory Badunga. Badunga or Badunga. We're not really 100% sure. Oh, could be Badunga? I've seen more people say that it might be Badunga. Oh! (laughs) Which Badunga dunk sounds way less cool. That doesn't doesn't work. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. (laughs) We're going with Badunga, and I don't care if it's wrong, because you have to say that for (laughs) Badunga dunk. Otherwise, you have to go with Flory Flush. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, yeah. That's, so yeah, that uh, happened, and uh, that's great for KU. He's he's someone who uh, I think is going to have a very bright future. Um, obviously, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that means for Hunter Dickinson. Does he come back another year? Yeah. Does Flory Badunga have multiple years? Is he going to stick around college? I mean, could be. Yeah. as much as you view all top five recruits as being guys that uh, are typically one and dones, he also is an undersized center, so would yeah. it be crazy and he, who yeah. doesn't shoot the ball? And some of the comments that he has made has suggested that maybe he would be okay with being more of a developmental type player if you look at some of the comments he's made. And he's also talked about how his education is a big priority, so that may influence if he maybe wants to stick around for a little bit while to, to a little longer to continue with his education to get his degree and everything. So it's a very interesting case, and uh, I think it doesn't really signal to me it's impossible to signal one way or another that oh Hunter Dickinson's gone oh Hunter Dickinson's right. whatever like I mean he the, he hasn't even played a real game yet so who knows you know I'm sure Bill Self probably had talked to him and was trying to figure out kind of what his thoughts were on going into the season but dude who knows you haven't even played a game yet yeah you don't I'm sure the staff probably is telling him we're expecting him to leave but they're probably like yeah. you know there are a couple ways you can go about it uh, it could be a McKenzie and Baco situation where Baco saw hey Phil Powski's coming back Mark Mitchell's coming back like okay I'll ask out of my NLI could be a situation where he is comfortable, like, you know, playing, a, if hypothetically, again, Hunter Dickinson did come back another year, which I don't know that I'm expecting that. Uh, you, you do UConn thing. Sunogo, yeah. Klingon, it worked yeah. just fine. Klingon, yeah. Yeah, Klingon was only playing 12 minutes a game, but he could have been a first-round pick. Yeah, Klingon was to. only playing 12 minutes a game. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> uh, by the way, RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. It's going to be a fun show today. Um, Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com, is going to join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We have more stadium press conference announcement audio um, that we're going to get to you coming yeah. up later this hour and actually our next two segments. We have one more RCST trivia football playoff matchup. Um, we're going to have another KU football superlative segment. Uh, I've got my five best and worst things, or, or I don't know, five best things, five things I have the biggest questions about still with the stadium coming up and. Uh, Chris Harris audio. Also, uh, today is KU Football Media Day, so we got to hear from a bunch of players. We got to hear from both coordinators. Uh, got to hear from Lance Leipold. We'll share that Lance Leipold audio later in the show. Uh, nonetheless, though, 
I do want to talk more about the stadium. Yeah. I obviously yeah. wasn't here. Yep. Um, I think this is interesting because, I don't know, I, I personally— you have some opinions. I am not the biggest fan of the stadium. Now, to be clear, the the questions I have about the stadium, this is still an overall. I I am I'm okay admitting like this is still an overall good thing. I'm not trying to say this is all bad. This is blah blah blah. I would just give this a grade of a C plus. It is a mm-hmm. passing grade. You passed. You are getting stuff accomplished. You're getting your degree. You're getting everything you need to do. But there are a lot of questions for me here. Yeah, I think the I think from KU's perspective. Yesterday probably went about as well as they could have asked for with the rollout of it. I mean, this is something that I, I talked about yesterday while you were gone, but this is something that based off the rollout and the website and everything, that clearly a lot of thought was put into it. Clearly there was a lot of planning involved with the rollout of it. And the execution of it, I think, from KU's standpoint, went pretty well. They had a, they, you know, It was a pretty much a, a good success with the announcement. Uh, I think there was a, a lot of good info put out about it. Uh, so I think there's a lot of positives to, from KU's standpoint of the rollout, and I think the general fan reaction was overwhelmingly positive yeah. just in the moment uh, because this is something that I think a lot of fans have been starving for for a long time. Uh, you know, We'll get to the Chris Harris stuff, but Chris Harris talked about how you know this has been something that people have been wanting a new stadium you know, have for 15 years. You know, Back in 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009 when KU football was, was on a little bit of a run there, there was talk of a new stadium. Every couple of years there's been a talk of a new stadium. And every couple of years you've had some sort of uh, you know, half attempt at trying to do something cool, you know, the field goal club, the, you know, whatever, this, that, or the other that ended up, you know, kind of flopping, basically. So my big takeaway was it's clear that there's been a lot of time and effort put into this from a lot of different parties, whether it's Travis Goff, whether it's Douglas Gerard with the rest of the, the KU support and everything like that. And and it's clear that there is a vision of what they want this to ultimately look like. And I think f- you have to be excited about that if you're KU because, you know, you have one of the oldest stadiums, one of the crappiest stadiums probably in Power 5, I think, at this point. And so the fact that you're going to get something that's new and, and unique and and uh, very, very bold and ambitious, I think, is very, very exciting. Now, the question does become, will there be execution on that? You know, will, will the stadium look like what the rendering looks like? Looks like? Is everything going to come together the way that KU hopes it is? And for now, I think you have to have a little bit of confidence that that will be the case just because of how much, again, time was put into the rollout. You know, I mean, this is something that's been in the works for a long time. And the fact that they that they put so much effort into that, leads me to believe that there's going to be that same level of effort and attention to detail that's going to continue in the actual process of, of trying to get this thing done. Yeah. Um, again, like you say, it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing you need a new stadium. Now you go from being, like you said, like maybe one of the worst stadiums in the conference to now having a new stadium. Oh, to definitely where the worst stadium in the conference. That's going to be a talking point on TV broadcast. That's going to be a talking point about why – uh, you know, maybe ESPN or Fox or whoever is going to be like, yeah, let's make this, uh, you know, primetime game because you're unveiling a new stadium, right? Like that's that's something they can talk about. Something that you could get talked about on College Football Live or, or I don't know, College Game Day or something like that. Uh, it, it it gets buzz out there for recruits. It, you know, is exciting for the, the recruiting level for sure. Uh, you look at some of the the facility things that they're going to be doing to like the Anderson Football Complex. All of those are are great. Like all of those, I would I would give an A A plus. Um, I'm viewing the the stadium stuff from a standpoint of, I don't know, just just the consumer side of things. Sure, yeah. And it's I do understand. Like, I I I I am okay understanding. Like, I am in the minority here. I do think a majority of people are are, are very happy with how yes. everything comes together. For right now, right now. I mean, Correct. You know, we'll see how things continue to play out. But I, yeah, I think the overwhelming immediate reaction was, "This is awesome. This is a really really exciting day for KU." 
And, and again, like I said, from Katie's perspective, I think it went perfectly because right. they did a great job with their rollout. Everybody uh, from the public side, the fans, seemed to be really, really, really into it. Uh, and so it's just a matter of keeping that going, I guess, from yeah, that standpoint. Yeah. So I, I, I do think that, you know, a lot of fan support is there. Um, my biggest questions kind of this whole way through have been, as, as you know, we've, we've talked about this when the first renderings came out, the parking lot and the tailgating situation. And I don't know. This, it, what I keep coming back to is that a lot of this feels like a cash grab and a money grab for KU, which I go back and forth on thinking because on one hand, like that is kind of their job to make money. And it's good for them. <laughs> I also I, I get a lot of fans who who talk to me and they're like, because you're going to be getting rid of that little parking lot and adding kind of a, I don't know, just like a little area that's going to have shops. The, the, the buzzword of the day conference. from Travis Goff was multifunctional. Okay, sure. So a multifunctional or multi-purpose. area, right, where you're going to have doctor's offices and conference rooms and some restaurants and maybe some shops and stuff like that, right, right behind the football stadium. Um or to the east side of the football stadium, and I guess the north side too. And, and I keep seeing people saying this, and they're like, this is great for the university. It's going to make them a ton more money. And I'm sitting there like, why do you care? You are getting $0 of that. I am getting $0 of that. KU makes a lot of money. KU makes millions and millions of dollars anyway. Who cares? Who cares? I, I don't understand that line of thinking at all. Not one bit. Um, yeah, I, yeah. from the fan experience standpoint, I think is certainly something that should be at the forefront of KU's minds. And, you know, I went back and thought about this. Go back to last season when KU started to sell out. They had some, like, with the start. You remember, there was a, there the first couple games, it was a disaster with concession stands, with bathrooms and all that stuff. But to be fair, over the next couple of home games, Travis Goff and the mm-hmm. athletics department, they did make a concerted effort to try to remedy that a little bit in the short term. Yep. Right. So I do, I, I think you do have to trust that Travis Goff is uh, probably aware of and paying attention to the fact that hey, you know, we need to make sure that the fan that the fan experience. No, I, I is, think they're aware of it, and they're going to do a lot of things that make the fan experience great. But I also think to a certain point, they're aware of hey, this is going to ruin some of the parking and the tailgating. We don't care because we're going to make a lot of money. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I, know, I think that's how it is. And I, I do think there is a, a, going to be a push from KU to push more stuff onto the hill, which is cool and fine. But we've talked about before, there's not as much room on the hill. There's already people that go there. Well, and now listen, if you're pushing all that crowd over there. Speaking from experience, it's tailgating a, on the hill, yes. it's good, but like... There's some downfalls. Listen, trying to play cornhole <laughs> right. on the hill yeah. doesn't work very well. Trying <laughs> to know? set up so a grill if you're on a steep part of the hill where <laughs> you, know, you, know, you so, can't stand but up straight. I, but I did have a friend that I was texting with uh, last night, and he was like, you know, imagine if they did push every, push it onto the hill and made this hill this big thing to where it could be like the Grove at Ole Miss, where it's like people on the hill, everyone, and then like, the you know, imagine like the players come down the hill and it's like this cool thing where like you can kind of, or you know, or I, I specifically remember, I think they used to do this where the band would like come down the hill. They still like, do. Yeah, like yeah. that like that stuff would be cool. Now, but imagine that if like everyone was packed in on it, it might be more of a cool, uh, unique environment, which would be mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, no, uh, that, that would be cool. But yeah, I do think there are still some some questions about that. And, and I guess maybe one of my concerns is this, is that, I think it's obvious that Travis Goff was very much trying to hype up everything else about the project besides mm-hmm. the stadium. Yeah, uh, so I actually like to, the in-stadium stuff. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the lights. I know that was that's that's probably the most like polarizing part of the stadium yeah, for most I think, fans. I mean, I honestly like when I first saw the renderings, I didn't even think about the lights. I was yeah. like, whatever, it's lights. Who I cares? thought they looked weird, but I, you know, whatever. Um, I actually like but the dude, in-stadium. You're stuff. not going to be looking at the stadium from the sky view. You're going to be. It doesn't like. I what, guess. I, 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 I the lights were like the last thing that I thought of. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
I do like the in-stadium upgrades. I like the, you talked about the concessions, bathrooms, like all that stuff is good. 50% increase, like you know? seat room, leg yeah. room, all that all stuff. Great. That stuff doesn't sound All good. that is great. My biggest issue does come back to the tailgating <laughs> side of things because this is, this is my view of things. And, and this is fine. Not everybody has to agree with this. I understand, again, I'm in the minority here. First of all, the parking situation, already sort of a mess. I mean, there's not a ton of places to park. No, you're, either, you're, you're in the neighborhood, right? You're maybe on the other side of campus. I don't know about don't you, know. but I've had times before where I've had to park on a side street that's like a mile away. Oh yeah, and then you have to yeah. make a long walk, right? Yeah. No, I know um, lots. I know lots of people that that do that do that. And I don't know how many cars fit into that parking lot that they're going to be getting rid of. Thousands, uh, yeah, I, I, maybe? I don't know either. It's it's not Honestly. a huge amount, but it's it's yeah. enough. But now you have all those cars. You might have to park even further out if you get on side street because all those cars are going to be divvied out other places potentially. Potentially, yeah, we don't, we don't, walk, I guess. There's also possibility that they add like a parking garage there, which that would be helpful. But also, if you've ever parked in the Allen Fieldhouse parking garage, it can take you 30 minutes to an hour to get out of that. I'm not looking forward to that at a KU football game if that is yeah. the case. Um, My thoughts with the parking is this. Like, it's something to where you just have to know that that is going to be built in when you're going to a game. And I that, get that, that but it still sucks. Just, that's not just KU. That's like when you're game. When you're leaving a Chiefs game, because their parking situation is a mess. It takes forever. It sucks. But that's just, but listen, my mentality is I just go in knowing that that's going to happen, and, and I'm fine. I'm but, cool with it. Okay, see, that's what, you've you experienced that your whole life. You can't go to a game life. and then be like, oh, I'm going to be home in 15 minutes after the game. No, that's see, not how it works. this is the problem. You've experienced that your whole life, so you're building in the fact that you're assuming that every game you go to is going to have crappy parking like Which that. every game I've gone to does have crappy parking. I'm telling you, there are lots of other places across the country that operate where that is not the case okay <laughs> and then it's it's beyond that it, it you had that area that area was where a majority of the tailgates were and it's not just that's where a majority of the tailgates were it's that that's where a majority of the season ticket holders who have stuck around through the two and ten the oh and twelves the one and elevens that's where a majority of them are that it just is and so yeah. the equivalent to that is like if you own a restaurant and let's say your restaurant, you had this, this, you know, this couple who consistently frequented your restaurant and they came every week and they ordered all your food. They were nice to the staff. They tipped super well. They were super kind to you. They always ordered food. You had to go through over the course of a decade. You had to go through renovations. You had mold issues. You had times where you had to close as a restaurant. You had times where you had to fire your chef. You had all sorts of issues with your restaurant, but they stuck through. And then all of a sudden you get this this five-star chef who comes into the the building and you become this, you know, elevated restaurant. And all of a sudden you tell the couple, hey, you know your favorite seat over there? You can't sit there anymore. Hey, you know your favorite dish on the menu? You can't have that anymore. That's the equivalent here to me. I, that I think that's a little extreme, this but I understand. Is, it, it is a small number. It could only be 500 to 1,000 people to 2,000 people that are impacted by this, that are tailgating in that specific area. But that is also your, your top audience. It's basically sticking your middle finger to your very top audience who has stuck with you through thin, thick and thin and being like, hey, you're going to have to find somewhere else to park. You're going to have to find somewhere else to tailgate. And for a lot of people, I know this isn't the case for everyone, but for a lot of people, the college football experience oh, that's part is tailgating is, is yeah. half, if not more. I mean, yeah, how many people for years would go to KU football games just to tailgate? Yeah. Well, and yeah, that is the biggest the, chunk of tailgaters the on the field and those season ticket holders. The product on the field wasn't really yes. much to, to, you know. But I think my the thing that the concern that I have is I have a I have a feeling that the parking stuff the tailgating stuff I have a feeling that stuff is probably just going to kind of work. But itself what makes out you say that? Part. 
What makes me say that? Yes, because I, I don't think there was anything given yesterday during the press conference. No, there really wasn't much talk about any of that. So this is just honest. you hoping. But I'm just, yeah, I'm like I said, I, I, to me, I'm just kind of looking at the, the attention to detail that was put into it, the effort that was put into the announcement. I have to assume that, you know, I guess, I mean, maybe if you want to look, take the pessimistic view, maybe Travis Goff and the rest of the KU, you know, suits are in a boardroom somewhere saying, you know what? Screw all that. We're just gonna build whatever we want. You know, whatever the hell, and just go for it that way. I don't. Maybe that. Maybe that's actually what's going on. But I, I don't know. I think you have to be a little bit hopeful that they're gonna maybe figure that stuff it. out. The, the, but my my main concern though is kind of tangentially to what you're talking about, which is I think KU needs to walk a little bit of a fine line here. People are excited about this. Why are they excited? Because of the football stadium. They're not excited about the other stuff. Yes. Okay. And I think if KU, if Travis Goff, if Douglas Gerrata, if they try to force feed too much of that other stuff uh, over the course of this process, I think it maybe might turn some fans. Because I don't fans, want an entertainment district. Well, I want under, a football stadium. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm just saying, like, the, the what, are, what are, you know, the, the positivity around this announcement. What people were excited about was the football stadium. Okay, they uh, people don't aren't really super interested in the rest of that stuff right now, and I think if KU tries to push that stuff too much too quickly, a lot of fans will be like, "What are we doing here? Can we just focus on the stadium?" Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how that plays out of of what they of how they kind of navigate that because I do think there is a possibility down the line if you know if you're Travis Goff and you're pounding your chest about this multi-purpose building, you know, entertainment center, blah blah blah, whatever. Some fans are going to be like, "Dude, we're we care about the stadium." Yeah, you know. So I I understand from that standpoint that would be maybe my biggest concern. But I, again, I think from the stadium perspective, you, you touched on it. All the in stadium stuff looks pretty sweet. You know, if they're going for sort of this kind of entertainment block type thing where you can kind of just walk in and it's like a whole block of stuff to do, that's all cool with me. That's fine with me. And ultimately, if the in stadium stuff is cool and KU football continues to win, I think most fans are going to be pretty okay with that, pretty satisfied with that. But I will say, this is a very, very, very big swing from KU. A very big swing. Mm-hmm. And they they definitely need to get it right. Like, yeah. th- you have one shot at this uh, over the course of this construction process. You have one chance to get this right. And if you screw it up, it's going to be a big problem. Yeah. The, the in-stadium upgrades, I'd give a B or a B plus, but it brings it down to a C plus with the entertainment district. This feels <laughs> more like, to me, a professional like NBA or MLB team building around their stadium than it does a college football environment. Which I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing, but I do think, again, I think there is a line that you could cross into it becoming where some fans are going to be like, hey, we're, you know, we care about the stadium, we care about that stuff, not necessarily this other, yeah, what's going for on. for sure. Uh, we're going to take a time out. We have more of that uh, KU football stadium renovation press conference audio. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, 4 o'clock hour here on RCST. We uh, still have some more audio to get to you later today from Chris Harris about the stadium renovations. Also have some Lance Leipold audio later in the show. Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World is going to join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We've got a KU football superlative segment, segment and uh, more talk about the uh, stadium renovations coming up later this hour. Yesterday was the start of our RCST football trivia playoffs. We saw uh, Aaron Mayer come through with a first-round upset to get through to the quarterfinal round. Now today we have our 8-9 matchup, which is between Justin Nichols, who is the 9 seed. He's also ranked ninth in the RCST trivia top 10. 
Kyle Martin is the eighth seed. He's actually ranked seventh in the RCST Trivia Top Ten. RCST Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, and Lawrence Shirt Factory. 23rd Street Brewery, you can get your dine-in, carry-out, catering, all available. We've got their outdoor patio to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. Both these uh, contestants went 2-1 and one as a part of the regular season. In the case of Kyle... He came through with the uh, divisional victory in one of the Monday divisions. His only loss was to Blake Farrell, who uh, is our number two overall seed in this thing. But Kyle's the winner of the Mr. D's Auto Wash Conference. Justin, meanwhile, finished as uh, the runner-up in the 23rd Street Conference and making it in as the top wild card. They both have same record. They both have similar points, 29 for Justin, 28 for Kyle. So should be a good first matchup here. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy with custom awards, engraving experts in Lawrence. Get anything done you need, whether it is a trophy, whether it's some of their other great items, which you can check out online or in store with Jayhawk Trophy. We're also brought to you by Lawrence Shirt Factory. They, too, can help you out with customized gear, customized T-shirts to sweaters to hats. Uh, they have some customized gear themselves that they've made that you can just go buy that uh, really cool stuff that's kind of a, a got a local Lawrence flavor or KU flavor. Uh, they also uh, can help you out with any custom designs that you need made, whether it's just you have the design yourself and you want to print some t-shirts, or if you need help with them making a design, they can help you out with that as well with uh, Lawrence Shirt Factory. All right, into our first uh, and only trivia matchup of the day in the first round of the playoffs. So this is our second first-round matchup. We had one yesterday, one more today. We have another tomorrow and then another on Friday. And it's actually a rematch of a phenomenal four matchup from our basketball side from this past year. This time, though, with the chance to make it to the quarterfinals, our nine-seed Justin Nichols, our eight-seed Kyle Martin. Both of you go two and one in the regular season. Kyle, you won your division and then you, you kind of said in the last week of the regular season when you were playing Blake, you were kind of, I don't know, resting the starters a little bit. It, it wasn't your full-out effort. Have you taken that maybe extra off time to get a little extra reps with uh, the, the rest of the squad for this week? Yeah, some extra reps. Uh, maybe not enough extra reps, but uh, more than, than it happened in the, the regular season for sure. So hope it bodes well for me today. But, uh, yeah, the, the proof will be in the questions you asked me, Derek. So we'll, we'll figure that out soon. Justin, is that a home field apparel KU shirt I see you wearing? It is indeed. Okay. Well, uh, they've been a sponsor for us in the past with uh, Trivia. So use code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK for 15% off. There's a good little plug there. Uh, nonetheless, Justin, you, you're the first wild card in this event. So you overcame the first loss in week one to bounce back from that do you feel like you're clicking do you feel like you're hot headed into the playoffs i feel better than i was to start that's for sure um and i know the guy that i lost to i think ended up being the one seed um you know he came in and was i think he was sandbagging a little bit but oh, I, don't, I don't i don't think i'm very good at this and all that kind of whining and then he comes in and just crushed everybody um so you know, I, I don't. Kyle's at least not sandbagging me the way that uh, the way that I got that I got that first round. Uh, I, I feel like I'm answering more questions. I'm getting there and had a little bit more time to actually look at some things this time. So hopefully, it'll, you know, hopefully it'll click today. Okay. Well, Justin, you are the lower seed, so you have the call on the coin toss. I've got a uh, United States of America uh, quarter dollar Dr. Sally ride coin. 
I don't know. I've never seen this one before. Kind of interesting. Uh, would you like heads or tails? Uh, I'll go heads. Nope, oh, I dropped it. Got a reflip. There we go. It is tails, actually. Heads and tails look very similar. It is tails. So, Kyle, you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Man, Derek, things are looking up. First time this has ever been tails, I think, uh, in a coin toss with me. So I'll kick, I'll go second again, see if it works. Okay. Second it is. Do you remember who went first and second in the basketball matchup? Uh, I went I went second, and it mm. worked out really, really well for me, <laughs> as we all remember. All right. Uh, that means, Justin, you're going to start things off first in the easy round, first quarter play. These are worth three points. Your first question, Justin. What FCS school, nicknamed the Bears, does Kansas play week one of the season on Friday, September 1st? Uh, Missouri State. That's right. Missouri State, the correct answer, and uh, that's not too far away from right now, a couple weeks from this Friday. Okay, Kyle. Would you have accepted Southwest Missouri State if I had called them by their actual name? Is that what they actually are? I would not have known that, so you would have had to, I guess, convince me that that is the case. So that, that, That's what they used to be called. Okay. So that's like when Memphis was Memphis State. All right, exactly. there's a good bit of trivia there. All right, Kyle, your first question. What Big Ten school does Kansas play in week two of the regular season on Friday, September 8th? Yeah, uh, Kristen Martin and I are going to Colorado for a concert Friday night because I thought the game would be Saturday, so mm. I'll be missing our game against Illinois. That's right. Yeah, that's an unfortunate side effect for a lot of fans out there. I know it's unfortunate for us because we got to do some uh, high school football stuff too. All right, three to three is the score through the first quarter of play. We move to quarter number two. These are now worth six points in the medium round. Justin, KU's first offensive touchdown of the 2008 Orange Bowl saw Todd Reesing throw a 13-yard touchdown pass to what wide receiver? Um, there's some obvious options there. Um, if I remember correctly, it was Desmond Briscoe. It was not Desmond Briscoe. It was Marcus Henry, the team's leading ah. receiver that year. Okay, Kyle, you can take the lead here. Headed into the halftime break. Your question. KU's final points of the 2008 Orange Bowl came in the fourth quarter on a two-yard touchdown run by who? Todd Reesing. Todd Reesing is correct. He actually didn't have a ton of rushing touchdowns that year throughout his career at KU, but he did have the final one here that put him in front. 9-3 to three is the score as we head to the second half of play. We're going to move to the hard questions. These are worth seven points. Justin, for you. This future Jayhawk corner and NFL draft pick wound up fourth on the 2011 team in receiving yards when he was a freshman. Like I said, uh, Jacory Shepard. That is Jacory Shepard. The right answer there. Yeah, he. Uh, I guess started as. I don't know if he was receiver. or They tried to make him a, a two-way player in line with uh, Keep Talib and Charles Gordon. Okay, Kyle, your question. You trail ten to nine, so this one to go back in front. This former Jayhawk quarterback wound up second on the 2011 team in receiving yards when he was a junior. Kale Pick. Kale Pick is the correct answer. Sometimes long forgotten name, and you go back in front 16 to 10 
is the score. We move to the hard round. Justin, your chance to move in front here. All right, Justin. In KU's near victory at Texas in 2019, Stephon Robinson had two touchdown catches. Andrew Parchment had one touchdown catch. What other receiver logged the fourth receiving touchdown for KU in that game? You said it was a receiver? Yes. Uh, 10 seconds. Ezra Naylor. You're, you're on the right track of a maybe forgotten receiver. The correct answer, though, is to Colby Williams. TK Williams, the right answer. And Kyle, you have won your matchup here. Would you like to answer a really hard question just for fun to try to get a perfect score? Absolutely. Okay. In KU's near victory at Texas in 2019, what Jayhawk intercepted Sam Ellinger? Oh, man. Let's go with uh, Hassan Defense. Correct answer is Najee Stevens McKenzie. Long name there, but Kyle, you come through with the win anyway. So what ended up determining this was the medium round questions. Justin, would you have known Kyle's medium round? Nope. I would have gotten that one wrong too. I was screwed either way. Okay, Kyle, would you have, uh, hypothetically, would you have known the uh, the, the Marcus Henry one? I, I did know Marcus Henry, yeah, on that one. Okay, so that got you through in the end 16-10. to 10. And now you guys have a bit of a rivalry, right? I, I think Chris Jones said it uh, with the Bengals. He said, we can't be a rivalry till we win a game. Uh, now you guys are both beating each other once. So different sports, but uh, this is officially a rivalry. So, uh, Kyle, uh, thoughts on moving on to the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to get the, the win today. Uh, I feel like anytime I can dive into, you know, my era, uh, you know, 11 being just after, but Orange Bowl time, that's that's good luck for me. Uh, but certainly scared of uh, now the one seed that I've got to go deal with now and Mr. Hansey. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, no, I'm happy today. All right. Well, Justin, uh, any parting words, any, uh, I don't know, fun predictions you want to give before the, the KU football season gets started? Uh I'm trying really hard to temper my my expectations, but man, I'm I'm really excited about this year. Uh, it it everything that I'm hearing, everything that I'm seeing, the whispers. It seems like this team, the defense is starting to step up in practice. The offense is clicking. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that maybe a few weeks ago I was telling myself if we be, if we break 500 I should be happy about it and now I'm starting to have that like oh but you know seven wins is fun but 10 is real fun <laughs> um type of thought process so I'm trying to trying to keep things in check uh but just winning record this year I'll be happy and and uh look forward to hopefully uh coming back and having some more fun things to have trivia about next year awesome appreciate Justin appreciate being a part of this Kyle we'll see you next week thank you guys both thank awesome. you Thanks, Justin. Good luck, Kyle. Thank you. Kyle comes through with the victory and avenges his phenomenal four loss in basketball 
to move to the quarterfinals of football. RCSD Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern celebrating its 70th year anniversary. They have all sorts of great specials coming your way, whether it's the original location in North Lawrence or one of their any 13 locations from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. Try all the great food with Johnny's Tavern or some of their great beer, including their new Blue Collar Lager, a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. And uh, yeah, as Kyle pointed out, he uh, moves on as the eight seed. He's going to be taking on number one Eric Hansey. So Kyle winning the, by the way, that was the 23rd Street Brewery Bill Self Mac and Cheese Bowl. So Kyle winning the 23rd Street Brewery Bill Self Mac and Cheese Bowl. He'll now be playing in the Johnny's Blue Collar Lager Bowl against Eric Hansey. Um, meanwhile, our 11 seed yesterday, Aaron Mayer, won the 23rd Street Brewery Wave the Wheat Bowl. He'll be taking on three seed Isaac Henderson in the Johnny's Wilson Wings Bowl. Uh, our matchups still to come this week are the 23rd Street Brewery Hank Booth Burger Bowl between the 12 seed Garrett Hart and the 5 seed Skinner and Wenninger. And then the 23rd Street Brewery Haney Turkey Stack Bowl between the 10 seed Brad Wandell and the 7 seed Andrew Wymore for the rest of this week. That was a fun matchup there, and uh, Kyle moves through 16-10, to 10, the final score. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash, located right here in Lawrence, and with McDonald's, some of the surrounding areas, too. You can get a snack, bike to eat, lunch, dinner. You can get your car wash, too, at Mr. D's Auto Wash. That'll do it for trivia today. Another matchup coming at you tomorrow. We got more uh, KU football talk, more KU football stadium talk. Henry Greenstein's going to join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Lance Leipold audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Plenty more coming at you here with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We've got a bunch of player audio, coordinator audio, even Lance Leipold audio that we're going to get to uh, later in the 5 o'clock hour here. Had some key comments, uh, some stuff about, I don't know, Jalen Daniels was probably the most prevalent, you know, with updates there. He's still uh, yeah. kind of in and out of practice, which isn't great. And also, that's definitely scary because a week ago, he said that if we're still talking about this in a week, we can dive deeper. But it yeah, doesn't sound I, like they were that much more worried. I'm a little more worried. I'm more worried too, yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, because literally it's been the past two weeks. Well, if we're still talking about next week, I'll be more concerned. Mm -hmm. Well, if we're still talking about next week, I might be more concerned. There's been two weeks. Yeah. Where's the disconnect? Yeah. Uh, But I'm concerned. I know uh, Jordan Gusky reported this on on Twitter that he talked to Jalen Daniels today at Media Day, and he said if there was a game this Saturday, he would play, and that it wasn't concerning long term. that, That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. It does. Uh, okay, we'll get to more of that Lance Leipold audio later on in the show, though. But we got to get to our KU football superlative segment. We have a bunch of folded-up piece of paper with different superlatives about the KU football team in a bowl. And uh, we're going to each draw one, and we're going to discuss that thing and say who we think it's going to be. Uh, so the superlative I have drawn, worst position group. Good. I've been uh, I've been negative enough today. People are probably already mad about my takes about the stadium. Now we get to be even more negative. Wonderful. <laughs> Worst position group, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. You want me to go first so that way people won't get mad at you right away? Sure. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just delaying the inevitable. <laughs> well, I listen, I feel bad because I think we're both going to go to the defense here, which is <laughs> which is kind of disappointing. Uh, so I will go with the D-line. Now, that being said, there's actually been I think you have some to pick. Recent- D-tackle or D-end? Oh, I do? Okay. Mm-hmm. The end. The end. I'll go to the end. Uh, I, there, there's been, and the reason I say that is because 
there actually has been some more encouraging talk. There's been a little bit more positive discussion about the interior. I mean, De- Devin Phillips has been getting a lot of talk as being a guy who's an anchor in the in the middle of the defense. Uh, and they've got Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers who have gotten some talk as well. The outside, the defensive end position, is continues to be a, a position of concern. And not necessarily because you don't have guys that can play competently at that at those positions. It's just that th- that's the position where it it's most significant that you have a impact guy. And right now, it doesn't really necessarily seem like that's going to be the case that KU is mm-hmm. going to have that impact guy. Jeremy Robinson is he's definitely stepped up and he's been speaking with the media quite a bit. Uh, and he and he and I think he's definitely poised to be in a bigger role. I think it was a uh, it was either Boyland or it was Panagos, I think, who mentioned that uh, you know Jeremy Robinson, even though he wasn't the starter last year, he was playing starter level snaps. I mean, he played quite a bit last year as a rotational guy. Uh, so it's not like he's stepping into something that's totally unfamiliar to him. And then you have Hayden Hatcher. Uh, and, but again, I think the concern here is you just don't necessarily have that next that guy that can hit another gear for you when you maybe need it most. And so that's why I think that might be the worst position group. I think if you want to get into hypotheticals with injuries and stuff, I think there are other position groups you could argue for. But to me, it's got to be DN. I think DN one linebacker two. And again, not because I think those guys are bad or I think they're they're gonna have they're gonna be bad. It's just that those are the two positions where I have maybe the most questions or the most concern about their level of impact heading into the season. Right. And we go back to last year, we had a lot of questions about the receiver group. Not because it wasn't talented, just because there we wasn't a lot it. of returning production, right? And, and it ended up being a really it. good position. Group, yeah, we right? hadn't seen it yet. So I, I do agree with you, and I'm actually glad that you brought up that you not just said defensive end, that you had linebacker actually number two ahead of defensive tackle, yeah, which I 100%. actually agree with. No, 100%, yeah. Yeah, so I think you nailed that. I, I think it is there because, you, yeah, you do have questions. Yeah. No Kyron Johnson, no Lonnie Phelps. You do have questions about uh, who's going to be the other starter next to Jeremy Robinson. How consistent are they going to be? Are they deep enough, right? Now, How ready are some of the transfers? If you wanted to get into some hypotheticals with injuries and stuff, I think you could make a case for the running back position if you, again, have injuries with – Hyshawn and Devin Neal being unable to stay healthy. Suddenly your depth doesn't look very depthy. Is that a word? Your depth doesn't look very depthy. Doesn't look deep. <laughs> doesn't look deep. Because uh, then you'd be down to basically, you know, Savion Morrison, another guy who has admittedly struggled to to maintain, you know, being 100%, and Dylan McDuffie. So I think if, if you want to get into some hypotheticals with, with the possibility of injuries and stuff, you could look at the running back room as one of concern to where, you know, if guys are – down and unable to stay fully healthy, that could be end up being maybe a position that's a little bit weaker than you look at it now. Obviously, if it's, I mean, if I mean, if that's a, if that position is at full strength, you consider it maybe one of your best positions. But again, if you want to get into hypothetical injuries, but I think just looking at it straight on from how it is right now, D end is one, and linebacker is is two to me. Not necessarily again, not necessarily because I think those guys are bad. It's just that who's going to be the impact guy at the from the defensive end position? Those are positions that you need. And then at the linebacker position, we just, I mean, the reality situation is that position group for KU has been one of the worst in the conference year in and year out. And that's a, that's a concern. Now, I think they have a chance to be a little bit better this year, but can they do that? Remains to be seen. Could you, if you said, going back to the conversation about what you just said with injuries with the running backs, if you applied that to quarterback, obviously if everybody's healthy, it's a strength. But if well, you yeah, end if up Jaylen having the offensive player of the year, right? But if you end up having if Jalen is injured, like he possibly could be right now, 
and you have Jason Bean as the starter with a freshman walk-on as the backup, that's a little scary. But no, I, I don't think any of these rival the questions you have at defensive end. So I yeah. think that's the clear clear answer there. Yeah. Oh, right, you can go ahead now? and pull one now. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to let See if we get me. a more positive one. I didn't know that you were going to let me do it. I thought this was a, a tyrannical <laughs> approach where it was just you that got to handle No, I'm a man of the people sometimes. Okay. All, right. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Let's see. What do we got here? Thing, well, this is not positive either. <laughs> Thing you have the most questions about with the coaching. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> man, we nailed these today. Um, I mean, I can redraw if you want. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> we got what you got. You got what you got. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to get to it eventually. I mean, I think the plan is to get to all of these, right? Yeah, sure. So there's a couple ways you can go with this. One, and they, these don't even have to be negatives. We can frame no, them in don't. a positive light. No. Like, one, what is the impact of Sean Snyder going to be on the special teams? That's immediately where I went to, yeah. Yeah. Also special teams. You know, that is a question about the coaching. How impactful yes. is he? How, how much... Is he going to impact how much of a difference how you do, is right? he going to make? How helpful is that going to be? Yes. That's a very fair question. Both in terms of, I mean, they have, I think, better players, better specialists in that room, and in terms of, like, I think it's harder for people to realize that there is, like, scheme on kick. Kick return is, you know, it's not like hey, I'll any Cole Nicky hey. where you have, like, all these guys going in motion and stuff, but there is scheme there. I'll give you a kick return scheme. Mm -hmm. Never return it. There's my scheme. <laughs> Problem solved. You were such a kick return curmudgeon. <laughs> when you have a good offense, it is the stupidest possible thing you could you could do. You know what? Here's a good example. I don't know if you happened to watch the Chiefs preseason game. I think it was the Chiefs, yeah. The Chiefs returned a kickoff. I believe it was Eric Prince. He gets tackled at like the 11, and they held. They held, and he got tackled at the 11. I actually think you should return every kick in no. preseason. In preseason. No. What's well, preseason? I mean, okay, Why fine. would you not preseason, fine, get the whatever. reps? Sure. But you should never return kicks, period, if you have a good offense. You know who has a good offense? Oh, that's right. Kansas. They got a good offense. Start at the 25, every drive, your offense is good enough. You don't need to risk trying to get more yards because guess what? You're going to get called for a flag or you're going to get tackled at the 18-yard line, period. Hmm. Ridiculous. Okay, that's my that's my kickoff return scheme. Well, don't do it. We'll see if somebody hires you as their special teams coordinator. They're like, why did we hire this guy? What is his scheme? What is his background in football? He's just like, well, we just believe in his philosophy. Don't return kicks. That's you know, the first meeting of special teams day. Is yeah, just, my fir the first just meeting. Don't is, do it. Yeah, the first meeting is nobody block. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna put nobody back at the goal line. We're not gonna field anything. We're just gonna run our offense out there and start at 25 every <laughs> every time. Um. No, but yeah, that, that's an interesting question. Like, how much will he impact it? How much can he boost up the special teams? Which, to be clear, uh, I I don't think he's... A, is he allowed to do anything, like, during games? I don't he's believe so. Sideline. I think technically he's, like, an analyst. So I don't know what the exact rules are. I, I don't know the NCAA stuff. Yeah. Um, I know he can probably help out with, like, game planning and, you know, basically helping coaches in a certain sense. I don't know what yeah. he can do on the field. I, I believe, or, like, during the game? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Nor... Do I really care how KU – like, I, I don't mean that from a, a crass way. I mean, like, I don't care about the NCAA stuff. I just – just whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. Um, I get it. I think also there's probably going to be a question about – okay, I want to get out in front of this now because this is actually something that I think is going to be pretty popular among KU Twitter if the – and just KU social media and KU, you know, some of the public – because we saw some of it actually last year. Okay. 
the Brian Borland like hot seat talk. Yes. I will just say this now. I do not believe Brian Borland is on the hot seat. And I'll be honest, like I don't think he should be. Um but there are a lot of people, especially when they were struggling late last year, that were like, Brian Borland's got to go or this isn't working with Brian Borland. Here's my thing. A couple things. One, Lance Leipold and his staff, the reason they are so good is because they have staff continuity. I mean, that is so Brian important. Borland and Lance Leipold have been together for yes, like 17 correct. years. Second of all, I do think that Brian Borland has gotten a, maybe an unfair shake would be the way to put it. Like, Andy Kolonicki is a great offensive coordinator. But he got, also had a full cupboard when he got. Yeah. Uh, well, he maybe also not has right away. Jalen Daniels and that, exactly. Devin Neal. Jalen Daniels was already here. Devin Neal was already here, right? Like a lot of these players were already here. That receiver room, Emmett Jones had a big hand in recruiting a lot of those receivers, right? Um, and he was one of KU's better recruiters when he was here in the Les Miles era. Andy Kotelnicki is a great offensive coordinator. Uh, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying he had. You have to have the players and the scheme. He has the players. With Brian Borland, these first few years, they've still been trying to develop the players. They've been maybe throwing players out there who maybe shouldn't have been playing for another year or two body-wise because you kind of had to. You have to throw somebody out there. Um, when you look back at the days at Buffalo, Brian Borland had a lot of great defenses in his time at Buffalo. I believe Brian Borland is a good defensive coordinator. So, yes, the results haven't been there the last two years. They did get a lot better last year. I'm just saying this. Um, I guess that is a question that some people would have, like what is going to be the future of Brian Borland. I don't think he is at all on the hot seat, and I don't think he should be, to be completely clear. like I feel very comfortable with Brian Borland being the guy. I just don't think he's gotten the proper tools to be able to show off what he can do quite yet. I do. I mean, I think it's fair to say this is a big year of testing the scheme of Brian Borland. Yes. Last year, what was last year? A lot of the talk with when the off, when the defense was struggling was, you know, we're sticking to our scheme. We're just not executing better. We just need to execute better. Well, this is now entering you know year three or year year two point five. If you want to ask Andy Kolnicki, uh, of this of this you know of the staff. That scheme needs to start coming through, or you know, and if it's not working, you need to be able to learn how to make adjustments to it as well. So I think that's a fair way to look at it. And uh, and and listen, you know, the, the, when it comes to Andy Kolnicki, we know he's a very creative guy. Can can he continue to do that? You know, can he has he hit his ceiling as a creative play caller, or can he take mm -hmm. it to another level to continue to to cause other opposing defenses? difficulties with what he's trying to do, right? And listen, I think you can also look at Lance Leipold and say, hey, listen, uh, in a good chunk of the games in the first half of the season, you were objectively too conservative mm -hmm. in certain situations. Yeah, that would be the other one. Are, are you know are, are you going to be able to, to correctly discern when you need to be more aggressive and go for two with your, with your best unit, the offense, or in situations like that to maybe put games away versus when you decided to punt? Right, I mean that's fair. Yeah. Last season there were multiple games we've highlighted in our Jack on our Jack Rewind series, multiple games where you got the ball or had the ball with a chance to put the game away with the offense, your best unit on the field last year, and you either were too conservative and had to punt, or you got into a fourth and short situation where you probably could have and should have gone for it, and he chose not to. Mm -hmm. So you could look at Lance Leipold and say that's one area where I'm keeping my eye on is. You know, in your first year, you were you did a pretty good job of being aggressive, and and you know it kind of paid off a little bit. Yeah, they were one of the top teams in twenty twenty one, and then it kind of in it was attempts. the inverse in twenty twenty two. So can you strike a balance there? Can you you know figure out the right times to decide to push your chips to the center of the table and you know make a gutsy call, trust your offense or whatever, 
and and go from there. So I think that's where you could look at Lance Leipold and say, this is where I am have questions. Yeah. Yeah, I think all those are fair. Um, the only other one would be like if Andy Kolonicki gets a head coaching job at the end of the year, but I guess this is the next year question. Who fills in? Who becomes the offensive coordinator? Do they promote from within? Is it Jim Zabrowski? Is it Jonathan Wall? I don't know. Um, so those are, are kind of interesting questions. But, yeah, I think I think all those are very fair. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm glad we had all negative ones on today. That wasn't that negative. Yeah. I guess You're not. just a negative Nancy. I'm sorry. I just... Whatever. You like negative Nancy or negative Nelly better? Um... Uh, I, I guess Nelly because Nelly's going to be playing at the Big 12 Championship. Oh, true. That's right. Dude, that was <laughs> such crap, man. All last night. Big 12 fans, big announcement tomorrow morning. Who? <laughs> what, what What? are we doing? I mean, seriously, uh, what are we doing? Ridiculous. All right, we're going to uh, take a time out here. When we come back, we've got more KU Football Stadium talk. Henry Greenstein and Lawrence Journal World is going to join us at 5.05. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. It's about a quarter till five here on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And... Uh, Coming up on Friday, I think we're going to actually be out at the, uh, the the KU football event that's going on, the Fan Fest, on Friday night. Um, we're going to be doing the last hour of our show there, it sounds like, live, or I guess I will. You're going to be out of town. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. Jealous? Yeah. Are you jealous you won't be there? Am I, I'm very jealous because you know, uh, you know what I'm going to be doing instead? What? I'm going to be getting a drill in my mouth because oh, I have to get no dental surgery. Mm, yeah. yeah. I'd much rather be out at Fan Fest. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely take what I'm doing over what you're doing. Dude, it's gonna uh, suck. Yeah, for you. I literally hate Not the dentist. Me. Listen, I hate the dentist. So I'll be at the I indoor a, practice facility having I, a good time. <laughs> I have a you terrible relationship with the dentist. I don't like the dentist. The dentist sucks. I hate the dentist. They hate me. It's terrible. It's a hate hate relationship. And I just want to be done with this. I have to get an implant and then I'll be good. So I just want to get it over with and then I'm in the clear. So yeah. I'm actually I'm looking forward to it because I just want it to be done. I want to get it done. Yeah. But, uh, but it's going to suck, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Henry Greenstein will join us coming up. We also have Chris Harris audio, Lance Leipold audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. I have a list. Five best things, five worst things, or five worst things, maybe the wrong term. Five things I still have the biggest questions about for uh, the KU football stadium. Okay. So with the uh, renovations. So are you ready for this list? Did you want some music for sure. it? Sure. Why not? Throw some music in there. Yeah. Music is good. Music is fun. This is supposed to be fun. Like Aren't music. we having fun? I'm having a lot of fun. By the way, I, I am learning this because I have a lot of KU football fans in my mentions right now, and I appreciate the passion and everything. I did not think me not liking the stadium, again, I understand, I am in the minority here, was going to lead to so many pitchforky comments to me. I thought this would be more so the equivalent of like, you know how you have a friend who like, maybe they think that something doesn't taste good that you do think tastes good. It's like, well... You're weird. I don't agree with that opinion. I think it tastes great, and I think that's a great food, but, like, it is what it is. It got weirdly personal. Yes, this got really similar. personal, which <laughs> I, it's like, okay, everybody can have their own, you know, everybody can have their own piece of, I don't I mean, know, favorite I mean, food or favorite whatever. You're, you're wrong, know. but that's fine. That's fine. No, I, I know. I Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Five best things. Let's start here. Let's start with the positive. Actually, should we start with the negative? No. No, it's just positive. Okay. Positive. Uh, the four times concession stands. There's going to be four times as many concession stands. Concession stands are good. More concession stands mean shorter lines. Yep. Means there's going to be more access to them wherever you sure. go around the stadium. Yep. Absolutely. And maybe it means there's going to be different types of concession stands. Yep. So you can yep. different types of food. Yep. Yeah, I don't think anybody could be could be annoyed about the uh, concession stands increasing in 
the amount of them and you know whatever that's 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 a good thing for everybody uh you know you you have an opportunity to get more options you have an opportunity to get through the line quicker uh, you know that was one of the real kind of issues with KU football when they started to sell out the stadium last season was there was, you know, a lot of concession line issues. Now, my solution in those situations is go to the concession stand once, get everything you need, and then you're good. You don't have to wait anymore. That's what I do. Okay. Do you wear a diaper too so you don't have to go to the, the bathroom? You just stay in your seat? No. Oh. Well, if you're trying to minimize your trips... No, you go to the bathroom once. You only go one time? During the game? Hmm. Well, it depends. It just depends. How many uh, are you imbibing in uh, some some cocktails? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. Well, I drink water, though. Mm. It's hot. Or okay. It's, you know, whatever. All right. Uh, another great thing about the stadium, 50 times bigger seats. So I... Well, no, no, no. no. Yeah, this is the wrong way to put it. 50%. Did I say 50 you times? 50 times. That would be <laughs> wild. Could you imagine? <laughs> Imagine, dude, the stadium would hold like ten thousand people. <laughs> yeah, one seat would be fun. like each seat no. would be a throne. <laughs> That'd actually be kind of cool. Um, by the way, uh, the lights—I've mentioned this before because I don't have the lights on this. Um, people have mentioned because I, I don't think the lights look like super good. Some people have mentioned it's supposed to be like wheat. Yeah, it's right. Like waving, it's like waving the wheat, waving the, the wheat, wheat blowing. Um, so my here's what I'm envisioning. I don't know. I don't know if this is what KU's plans. Yeah. But if it's not what they plan, they should take my idea. What you do is, especially if you play night games there, because that's when you use the lights. You can coordinate the lights, like when KU co- scores a touchdown. It you can coordinate like the lights to flash certain ways to where it looks like while maybe. the fans are waving the wheat at the same time. I think it'd look pretty cool. Yeah, maybe. I actually am more on board with it because I've seen a couple of people calling it the, the saying that it looks like a bird's nest. And now I'm actually on board with the No, because it's the booth. No, see, I have gotten on board. If you if you tell me that you're going to call it the nest or the hawk's nest now, like the stadium, because of what that looks like, I'm actually on board with it. No, it's the booth. But if you're going to call it the booth, it's then always, I'm not on board with it's it. It's always... I, I don't, I, it, the booth is such a great name. That's just what it is. Well, no, I'm just saying, if, if you're going to call it Memorial Stadium or the booth or whatever, and you're not going to acknowledge it looks like a a bird's nest, I, I think it's kind of lame. But if you're going to acknowledge like the pattern makes it look like a bird's nest, I think you play into that. And I think, call or imagine calling it like the cage. It looks like a bird cage. The cage, that is an awesome name for a football stadium. I am 100% on board with that. No, I like the booth better. Be I like the cage. That's sick. The cage... Dude, it sounds like you're about no, to like, it sounds destroy like you're someone. Trapped in a cage. No, that's awesome. It's a cage match. Anyway, uh, aside, um, but yeah, fifty percent bigger seats. So you have more leg room as part of this, and I believe there's going to be seat backs like yep. around the whole stadium. Yeah, yeah, and that'll be good because there's a lot of uh, you know just like kind of the bleacher seating, yeah, and it's benches. nice to have um, seat nice backs, not especially someone who back. has a bad back, right? So yeah. that's good for me. So I, I'm a big fan of that as well. Um, other best things about the stadium. Uh, the third part of this, suite and club seating options. There's going to be more of them. Well, I don't about know, this before. I don't I like know if the you diversity. noticed, but the press box is also going to be integrated into the middle section. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. Was that was that confirmed? Well, there's no in the renderings. There's no press box. Well, that's what I was wondering because there is the one rendering where you can see there's a press box in the corner of the end zone. So no, is I that think where the idea is. I think the idea is that it's going to be integrated into like the middle sections. You see what I'm saying? I don't know, cause that yeah, that was definitely something as part of the. Cause you didn't see a pre- I, I didn't see anywhere else. Yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, I had that in one of my five things. I still have questions about the new stadium. 
is I could not figure out where the press boxes were. My assumption is that that means that it's going to be integrated into that middle section. It might be. I honestly don't know. I kind of thought it was in that little corner it's section. like Arrowhead Stadium does that. Arrowhead Stadium has press, press box Yeah, but there's high up. In, integrated into the middle. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't um, know either. But a, a, if that is the case. club seating is good, though. If that is the case, another positive of that is you'll have a normal camera angle. I don't know. I, I, watching games watching games on TV when it's KU and they have the camera on the roof of the press box and it looks like you're looking straight down, mm-hmm. that kind of sucks. Yeah, get a better camera angle. Yeah, I guess. I See, but that, that this kind of goes again more in line of with the questions one because it's like I don't have the actual – we don't have the real answer. Like that might be where it is and that might be a good thing, but it's kind of the, the questions because I don't really know for sure, I guess. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's it. That's in there. And obviously, so. that's a minor thing. I mean, fans don't give a fans don't give a damn about us, Derek. They don't. No, care they don't. No, at. and I, I don't really care. To be, I mean, if if you're like for me and you, like I don't really care where the press box is. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I'm thinking of it more from a standpoint of like, imagine if you're the TV or the radio broadcast and you're trying to call the game from behind the play. That's going to be weird, right? It's definitely not going to be in the corner. I don't know. I don't I know. Think that oh, that would be really stupid. Like I'm showing you the picture now. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. See, look at to the to the left there. No, 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 no. To the left. Yeah, there you go. That middle look like sweets to me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Again, we don't have the answer to that. Are anyway, you um, pictures that people can't see? Also, best thing. New is good, just in general. Like, it's going to lead to a lot of positive attention, uh, whether it's talking on, you know, college football podcasts or t- television. Uh, it's going to lead to probably... Uh, maybe some extra primetime games or something like that for the first year or two that it's open because it's going to be like, hey, we're unveiling the new stadium. Like, those are good things. It's going to lead to some national attention for you in the positive. Uh, to that same notion, it'll lead to good recruiting opportunities. It'll be like, hey, come play for our new stadium. Or because it'll lead to more national attention, it'll give you more kind of PR in a positive light to help in recruiting. So yeah, those, maybe, those maybe that's things. why fans were mad at you because they were like, just be happy it's new. I did get a couple of people just being like, just be happy they're doing anything. And that's what, like I said, like I, mean, I said, been I gave it a passing for 15 grade. Years. No, I gave it a passing grade. I said it is a C good plus thing you did overall. a passing grade. That is a passing grade. Hardly. You need to be like, but it is. you know, at least B. Mm. Okay, and then uh, the last thing I have here is best parts about the stadium. Represents big time investment into the program. This clearly shows that donors, Lance Leipold, Travis Goff, Douglas Gerard. Higher ups at KU, uh, KU fans, they are all aligned in the idea that they want to support this KU football program. And for this football program to sustain, you have to have that support because you do have to kind of keep up with the Joneses with your facilities, with your practice facilities, with your weight rooms, with your football stadium, with fan attendance. All those things are pivotal to maintaining a strong program. And this shows that. You know, you you have the monetary investment, you have the the push that is going forward to actually put together this um, project that that you wanted to put together the stadium with. Uh, so having that big time investment and showing that in this kind of form is obviously a great thing. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, we we kind of touched on it in the open with the fact that there have been multiple sort of mini capable stadium projects over the years that have been kind of half done, half baked, so to speak, you know, with like the field goal club, with like the crap with, you know, not even like do, bothering to tarp over the, the seats in the stadium where people can't sit and, you know, stuff like that. Stuff that's like, there was clearly an attempt, but it was so 
barely even attempted that it's that it's just it it adds to the mockery of the whole thing. This is a legit like step towards the, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is the goal. And it's very clear that this there was a lot of effort put into this and that uh, hopefully because of that it means that this is going to be a successful process of building the state. Yes. Okay, the things I have the biggest question about. We already hit on the, uh, I, I don't know where the press box is. That's probably not a big deal <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Um, the tailgate and parking situation. That That's my biggest question. Yeah. Is there going to be more parking available somewhere? Where are the top tailgating situations going to be? Is it going to be all on the I hill now? I have a sneaking suspicion that the tailgating parking stuff is just going to work itself out. We'll see. We'll see. Um... And then I have the, is the like South Park Soda Sopa region. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Behind the east side of the stadium, like. Soda Sopa. Yeah, that part. Like that, that's what it feels like. Every time I saw like what they're planning to do in the east and north side of the stadium, that is immediately what I thought of. Um, is it going to have like cool stuff? Are they, are there going to be like cool restaurants and bars that people can go down to? I think that's kind of the idea. I don't know, because they also mentioned, like we talked to Travis Goff last year, he mentioned doctor's offices and stuff. They mentioned in this press release and stuff, conference centers. They During mentioned, his uh, press conference yesterday, Travis Goff mentioned uh, residence halls. Right. That right. would be wild. I wonder if they're going to do a football dorm. Maybe. Possibly. I Could mean, they be. have the basketball one, right? That makes sense. That would make sense. Um, I don't know. What's going to be over there, I guess, is, is part of the question here. And, uh, you know, to that notion, I... I, this goes back in line with I've had a lot of people being like, oh, it's going to make more. I, I had somebody tell me this is going to make more money for KU, which is going to in turn make more money for the city of Lawrence, which helps you because you live in Lawrence. I'm like, how does that help me? How does that help me? I don't understand. Somebody maybe, they might, maybe they might uh, fix that pothole in the gonna, road a little faster. Are they going to pay for my house now because they're making more money down? I, I don't understand that. Nonetheless, um, hopefully this, you know, still allows other businesses in the area to, you know, succeed and everything. I don't I don't think that'll be an, an issue in any way. It just creates more competition. But um yeah, I mean, is it gonna have cool stuff or is it just gonna be like conference centers and stuff that doesn't really like do much for you? I don't know. Uh again, these are questions. Doesn't necessarily mean that they are gonna be bad. Like some of these could be answered and then we look back on this in a couple of years and I'm completely wrong, right? True. But I guess not even wrong. I'm just asking a question. True. Um I'm happy there's more bathrooms. That should go on the best things. But also, I do have a question. Is one and a half times bathrooms enough? That doesn't would, seem like that many more. I don't know. I would I would think so. I don't know, well, man. Dude, think I about mean, how listen, many porta-potties they have. There's a fine line between having an adequate number of bathrooms and then going overboard. I, think you, I, I disagree. Think, you can't have enough bathrooms. You can have too many bathrooms. Dude, bathrooms are very important. Give me clean, good bathrooms. <laughs> And is one and a half enough? Because think about how many porta potties are. Is that going to be enough to get rid of the porta potties? Oh, I would assume so. Mm, we'll see. I would 100% assume so. Uh, the other, the, the last part I have things I still have questions about is just the lack of transparency on maybe the completion of the project and the capacity. Yeah, I think the the general consensus was that when they were talking about August 2025, that's when like it was all going to be done. That doesn't really seem like it's the case now. Or I don't really know. Be honest, I'm a bit confused on that. It was now. kind of open ended, like it kind of sounded like it's supposed to be done by 2025, but then again, there could be other things. Then yeah, again, don't they know. don't have all the money fundraised today, they just have a lot of the money fundraised. So, what happens if there's a, a stall or a halt in, in that regard? Like, how could that affect it? Um, the capacity thing where it's like, well, it'll be over 40,000, but how much over 40,000, we don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, a lot of questions there about what exactly that's going to be. And I, I do think it's funny that we go back to the, the LJ World article with the original, like, rough draft, the renderings. 
and it was like 39,850 people. And everybody got up in arms of being like, this is tiny. And KU has adamantly since then kept repeating the phrase that like, it will be above 40,000. When in reality, that's only like 150 more people than that first rough draft that got everybody up in arms. Yeah, but doesn't, this this goes back to our discussion about like, when you're getting close to football, four weeks versus three weeks. Yeah, I guess. Doesn't 40,000 oh, no, it sound does. It does. way, way better than 39,000? It does. And to be clear, I actually don't really care if it's 39,850 versus 41,000. I just think it's funny. Uh, we got to take a timeout. Two hours down, one to go. Henry Greenstein, Lawrence Journal World, joins us next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We've got uh, some KU football audio that's going to be coming at you uh, later this hour. We've got some audio from Chris Harris, stadium uh, renovation announcements, and then some Lance Leipold audio later. But right now, we're joined by Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. Henry, thanks for uh, hopping on on today's show here. Uh, Obviously, it's been a busy day between the stadium renovations yesterday, KU Football Media Day today. I want to start with the uh, stadium renovations uh, what to you is the biggest positive about the stadium renovations for KU and the city of Lawrence? And what is maybe still the biggest question that you have remaining about the whole project? I'll start with the question because that's more salient to me in my mind right now. And it's a question that my boss, Chad Wahorn, asked uh, Travis Goff and Chancellor Doug Gerard yesterday in the press conference, which is, what's the deal with parking and tailgating? Uh, I really don't feel like much in the plan laid out yesterday addressed those issues concretely. Uh, they're very practical issues that I know a lot of people are going to be concerned about. And from what's visible on some of the renderings, I think that concern is justified. So that's something I think uh, KU will be under some probably justified pressure to provide some answers on over the course of the next year or so. Um, in terms of positives, I think I, I like the way they're proceeding in multiple stages. Uh, I think that will assuage some people's concerns about capacity numbers. I think it was a very smart move by Goff to effectively, as he did yesterday, put the onus on the fan saying, well, we're starting out with the North and West. If you guys show up in large enough numbers, then we'll feel justified in making the South and East fans large enough to accommodate all of you. So, I think that's a positive from the standpoint of I think a lot of people are going to uh, take that as an opportunity to, like, demonstrate their investment in KU football. Now, the multiple stage thing is a little weird because, uh, as I understand it, it seems like this stuff that goes through August 2025, which is being positioned as the stadium renovation, is only one part of a longer process. But I think that will all become clearer as things go forward, but... Yeah, I, so some unanswered questions in that domain for sure. Yeah, so what do you, what do you think could be something that that could lead to a hurdle? Like, do you expect there to be uh, anything that could lead to maybe a delay in this all happening? Whether it's I don't know funds being raised or something else that that could make this thing last a little bit longer than that timeline of of having it ready at the beginning of the twenty twenty five season. Yeah, I, I feel like that's almost non-negotiable. When you set a timeline for something that it has to be ready by the beginning of the season, you're not leaving yourself with a lot of wiggle room because then, like, where do you play? So I'd say if it's not going to be 100% ready by the sort of 2025, they at least have to make it playable. Like, they at least have to have it in the 2024 intermediate state 
for those first few weeks of 2025 if there is indeed going to be a delay of some kind. Um, we'll see if, as things start to take shape over the next month and year or so, whether they have to explore any of those alternate options. But I don't know. From everything I've heard and seen, I personally wouldn't expect significant delays beyond RS 2025 because they just don't have a lot of uh, room to be delayed in that domain. Switching over to the uh, uh, the football side of things, we had KU Football Media Day today. Um, Lance Leipold spoke with the media, and he talked about the Jalen Daniels situation, which you know he's still kind of going through some stuff with his back. Um, again, they don't really sound overly worried about it. Do you, do you have any sense about um, you know how serious this could be, or if uh, this is something that the KU fans should be you know worried about at all? Well, I can totally understand why people are concerned because it is it is weird, just subjectively speaking, to hold someone out for practice for this long or something that's so apparently not a problem to anyone involved. So either they're all simultaneously telling us it's not a problem and it is, or it really just isn't a problem. Um, from everything I heard today from all the coaches, also talking to Jalen himself, I don't think it's a concern. I, I, and then I, later on, after talking to Jalen, I went on and thought he had answered some questions from my colleagues where he said, there was a game Saturday, he would absolutely play in it. I think if you're hearing that, that could help you ratchet down any level of concern you might have about Jalen's readiness. Um, I think, and this is something we've brought up before, and, and you guys have talked about before in the show, I think because the player is Jalen Daniels, not just because he's the quarterback, which is the most highly scrutinized position, but also because it's Jalen Daniels, a player who has had injuries in the past, uh, the level of scrutiny is much higher than if it were anyone else uh, on the entire roster. But I think at this point, that scrutiny can maybe start to ease off a little bit. Well, we got to talk to a, a lot of different players today as, as we ramp up and get closer to the season. Is there somebody on the team who, maybe just their story, whether it's, it's the background that has led them here or, I don't know, their athleticism, their talent, uh, that, that kind of to this point is intriguing you most about how they're going to perform and what they're going to do this upcoming season? You know, I had quite a few guys today that fit that description. One who comes to mind, because I was just writing about him right before I hopped on with you guys, is Tori Laughlin. Um, I had asked a question about him when we were talking to Jonathan Wallace a little ways back, because I had seen him mostly uh, working out with the wide receivers. But since then, his name's been coming up unprompted quite a bit. It's a really interesting story. I mean, this is a kid who committed to KU in February 2018 when he was a two-star dual-threat quarterback, and he was the 18th commitment of David Beatty's class that year. Uh, since then, you know, he, he gray-shirted. He went through the Les Miles era. He had two seasons where he was derailed by injury. And then since then, he just kind of established himself as a sort of do-everything player where you can plug in any particular position and he'll make an impact. Um, Terry Samuel said the other day he's really taking advantage of additional wide receiver reps this year, so I'll be interested to see how he fits in there. Um, today I saw him taking a shotgun snap, uh, the Wildcat quarterback, so maybe we'll be seeing a little bit of that. That was in the open portion of media practice today. But, yeah, I just think it's it, – I always love these players. You can insert in all sorts of weird situations, and I think Candace's happens to have a particularly interesting story. Uh, besides Tori, I, um, I spend a lot of time talking the Hawk linebackers today, Craig Young, Jason Gilliam, and the freshman Logan Brantley. 
Uh, and I'm really interested to see how Gilliam does. I feel like he's sort of number six in the linebacker pecking order overall because of all the great stuff we've been hearing about J.B. Brown and Cornell Wheeler. But it's, Craig Young told me just about all the sheer work he's put in, how he's, you know, showed up early to the facility, stayed late and all that. And this is while recovering from an injury. And it seems like they've finally started to get to a point. I'm going to have to this today. They've finally gotten to a point where he's not limping after taking reps. So, yeah, Gilliam getting on the field could be interesting to watch as well. Is there a position group on the offensive side of the ball that maybe you have uh, the most questions about at this point in time about, um, I don't know, whether it's you don't know who's going to play or maybe you have questions about injury or uh, just questions in general about you know how they're going to perform come the start of the season? Well, I think the offense has, has not given us too much reason to question in a lot of areas. Uh, I think that just by default, it would have to be the wide receivers uh, and exactly how that pie gets divided in terms of who gets the most targets. You know, we can hear all this stuff about, oh, Trevor Wilson's not just a track guy anymore. He's really settling in. Doug Emelian's been taking advantage of reps when people are injured and all this. And even the stuff I said about Tory Lockson playing wide receiver, we can hear all of that. But the fact remains that Luke Grimm and L.J. Arnold and Quentin Skinner are all still there, and those are the top three guys from last year, and they are clearly in a tier all their own. So I guess my question is, do they continue to be the top three options for the entire season, or do we eventually see anyone else sort of win their way uh, through into that top group, I guess, which to me, again, even with all this hype, doesn't seem super likely. And what about on the other side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball? Where would your biggest question or uh, thing you feel most is unknown at this point in time be? Well, just right through our uh, fall sports preview for the journal world, I think the position that I found myself struggling to come to a conclusion on the most was defensive tackle. Um we know, I guess defensive end too, but defensive tackle, we know Devin Phillips is one of the spots. Uh, by all accounts, he's been a great leader. By all accounts, he's shared his experience. I was just talking to DJ Withers today, and he said Devin Phillips has been pulling up like clips from Colorado State to show him certain things he can improve on, whatever. We know he's, but, but besides Phillips being in Scotland in one spot, it's really, really hard to tell if Tommy Dunn, Gage Keys, or DJ Withers, or maybe even someone else entirely, will prove themselves most worthy of the other defensive tackle spot. And I lose the defensive end, same kind of deal. Jeremy Robinson can be pretty confident about with all he's contributed to the program, but, you know, Hayden Hatcher seems like a favorite, but we've been hearing so much great stuff about Austin Booker. Just as, and the, I think the defensive line has potential to be potentially the shakiest position group period for KU. And the fact that there isn't clear-cut personnel at some of the spots does not help with that image. We've uh, heard some stuff recently, including today, about Cole Ballard kind of seeming to take down that third-string quarterback position, which, I mean, it, it sounds like it's it's far away, but if, if Jalen Daniels dealing with an injury, all of a sudden you're the second string in that situation. And I just find it very interesting because Cole Ballard is – He's, a, I believe, he's a walk-on. He's obviously a true freshman, uh, the uh, son of Brett Ballard, the former, uh, or Chris Ballard. I'm sorry, the the former Kansas City Chiefs, uh, uh, I don't know, assistant GM, whatever he was. Now the GM of the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, that he's kind of taken that down. 
I, I don't know how to view that because it sounds like there were some very encouraging comments today about Cole Ballard, but on the flip side, if we did see Kansas get down to their third string last year in a game where Ethan Vasco had to come in for Jason Bean, albeit just one drive, uh, that could be a little scary that you're having to go to a walk-on freshman quarterback if you get down to potentially one more injury if Jalen is dealing with stuff over the course of the season. Yeah, I have to agree it's a little... I mean, I don't know how in a position to judge, but it is a little alarming to hear that a team has a freshman walk-on of its third stringer at this point. I think we had all just kind of been assuming that Ben Easters was in that role. I believe I had seen him taking some number three reps earlier on, but, I mean, if they're really that impressed with Bauer, then more power to him. I I got to talk to him at Media Day. I'm sure many others did as well. He seemed self-possessed. He was super complimentary of both. Jalen and Jason as mentors uh, and how much they had shown him. And I think that's great. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to think about if they got to that situation, if you're, if you're Lance Leipold, do you have stomach to send in a freshman walk on, or do you kind of default to someone who's been with this some longer? Uh, I, I'd be interested to learn more about the decision-making process that has led into him being the favorite for number three. We're talking with Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. Uh, big picture, when you look at where this program is going and circling back to the stadium stuff, uh, what does this say, at the very least, about KU football? You know, Do you think from like a national or a conference level um, about what they are and what they are becoming as a program? Yeah, I think the important thing, is, and this is going to sound weird, but the important thing is showing that they won't slump all the way back from a high water mark. Like with Chris Harris and Todd Reesing and Akeem Tulum and Daryl Stuckey being there yesterday, the question I kept asking those guys when I talked to them is, why do you think this didn't take shape back in your day? Because they had plenty of success back then. And really what people kept telling me was, it was like, a, it's right now with the leadership that's in place, it's kind of like a perfect storm. Um, but, yeah, I think this project gets done, and Kansas really does have facilities that are, you know, upper echelon. I think that provides a safety net against slumping back to years of last place finishes in some sense because of the value that it has in recruiting, because of the optics of having a new stadium, uh, because of the, some of the resources contained therein, like content studio, better nutrition, better sports medicine, all those things, I believe it's sort of like an insurance policy against becoming as bad as Kansas football became in some of the years after that to that uh, Mangino stretch. So that's kind of how I see this, is a chance to elevate the floor of Kansas football, if not necessarily the ceiling. He is Henry Greenstein. You can check out all his work in the Lawrence Journal World and at KUSports.com. Uh, Henry, anything you want to plug that you got coming up? Yeah, just keep an eye out for that fall sports preview I mentioned. I believe that'll be a special insert in our issue a week from Sunday, and I'm excited for fall sports to get started. Soccer game tomorrow is the beginning of it, so yeah. That's right. Lots of stuff coming up, uh, yeah, as soon as this week. All right, well, Henry, I appreciate the time as always, man. And, uh, again, KUSports.com, LJ World. Have a good rest of your day. All right, thank you. You too. All right, that's Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World, 
KUSports.com. Joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Again, check out all of Henry's great work. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well. You can even find the best of RCST podcast at KUSports.com now also. All right, we're going to take a time out here. We've got a, a bunch of KU football audio that we're going to get to. Chris Harris spoke with the media yesterday as part of the KU football stadium renovation. We'll get that to you. We also have Lance Leipold, who spoke with the media earlier today as KU football had their media day and shared some of those comments that even we just talked about, like the uh, Jalen Daniels comments, and you can tune into that later on in the hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.